We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee, and it's a double guest episode. We're going to start it off with Jim Costa of 97-1, the ticket in Detroit. He's a pre and post slash also halftime host for the Lions, Tigers, Red Wings and Pistons. We mostly talk about the the Lions in this one, though. The 49ers week one opponent going a deep dive on Detroit. And then to follow that up, we have our Blue Wire colleague, Joe Fan, uh, who gave himself the label friend of the pod. Chris and I still debating. But for for Joe, he has decided that he's a friend of the pod. You can hear him on the Bet to Win podcast right here on the Blue Wire podcast network. He is a brand ambassador for win bet. We talk about the 49ers, the NFC West, the NFC from more the betting angle, which teams he likes, which teams he doesn't like, and uh, his bets to win the Super Bowl. Super fun conversations. Really excited for you guys to listen. So enjoy. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. has got him and a second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown 49ers. All right, Jim Costa's here from 97-1 The Ticket, an Odyssey station that's in Detroit. He is the studio host for Lions, Tigers, Wings, Pistons, Bears. Oh, my. We're going to skip the Red Wings chat today. Uh, I'm not going to promise that we'll skip Pistons and Tigers talk. So I don't want to take that off the table just yet, but our main focus is going to be the Detroit Lions. Uh, Jim, I want to start out this way. Are the Lions good? No. Uh, No, they're not good. Uh, (laughs) uh, The Vegas over under wins total is five coming into the season. And if you just want some perspective, uh, I, I saw today the most bet uh, under is the Lions under and the most bet over is the Lions over, according to MGM. So, I mean, people are having a hard time figuring out what's the deal with this Lions football team. <laughs> um, but they had the worst defense in football a year ago. It was the worst defense in Lions history. And consider how bad the Lions have been historically. They had an 0-16 football team. Last year's defense was even worse. They downgraded at the quarterback position. And I know that's been an infighting debate with some Lions fans that were sick of Stafford. but 
unquestionably you downgraded with the arm strength, the pedigree at the quarterback position. Your wide receiver room is Larry Moe and Curly, and your offensive line is supposed to be a strength, but Lions fans have heard they're going to run the ball, and they haven't finished in the top half of the league in rushing since a guy named Barry Sanders was toting the rock. So the Lions aren't supposed to be good this season. That was bleak. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, that's what we're dealing with up here. Uh, <laughs> you get some people who tell yourself, tell themselves, hey, this was a five-win team last year, and that was in, in large part because Matt Patricia was the dud of a coach. Dan Campbell comes in as a first-year guy where people seem to rally around him, want to play for him. Your defense can't be any worse, and you start upselling this team, and that's when some Lions fans start drinking the Kool-Aid and convince themselves that this year might be different. So it's a, I'm sure it's not unlike uh, Niners fans or any other fan base, but you've got one section that that is gung-ho, that, that things are going to be different, and then you have a more chiseled, grizzled, seasoned section of the fan base. And I would argue Lions fans have, have really been seasoned with quite a bit of losing. Uh, that brings more of that doom and gloom. So how wide ranging is this rebuild uh, under Brad Holmes? Because, I mean, we've seen it, you know, here with the 49ers in 2017 when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch took over. It was at that point, it was about like getting a few foundational guys and building a culture. Um, And they basically, I mean, they turned over like 80% of the roster over their first two years. So is that sort of, where the Lions are at right now, now that they're in the first year of a new regime with the GM and a head coach? Yeah, so they have the second youngest roster in all of football, and it's like a tenth of a year from the youngest, which is the New York Jets. They're very young. Their oldest cornerback is 25 years old, so very inexperienced at the outside portions of the secondary. Really, even their starting safeties, Tracy Walker, uh, he's on the younger side, still on that rookie contract. So, you have a very young secondary. There's a lot of roster turnover that's going to take place. I would imagine even more so in the next year as they get guys, not necessarily who are, who are perfect for a scheme. I know last time around, they brought in a lot of former Patriots. It was very specific to that scheme, but I think they need to get a little more athletic in that back seven. I think some of that process began when they released Jelani Tavai, who was more of a throwback linebacker who fit New England style. Uh, not so much today's NFL where you have to be able to run sideline to sideline and pursue. Um, but there's a lot that still needs to happen for this team. And, and I think, yes, they're at the very early infancy stages of it. Is Dan Campbell kind of made uh, a splash as we talk about a rebuild and they, they boot Matt Patricia, they bring in Dan Campbell. He made a splash talking about biting kneecaps and his really long first press conference with all these sound bites. And he drinks 40 ounces of coffee with mm-hmm. 12 espresso shots and all that. We know all that, all the viral stuff, all the memes. What has he been like or what what sense do you get about him as a coach just from like a schematic standpoint? Uh, do you think he's going to be better than Patricia? Is the jury still out? Like where, where are we at outside of the memification of the head coach? <laughs> well, he's a Parcells guy. So if you're just looking for coaching influences, uh, that would be an area to look. Most recently, Sean Payton. You're hoping some of that rubs off. He said in that opening press conference that most people didn't get to because they were caught up in the biting of kneecaps uh, was him talking about it not really being about a specific scheme so much as it is, and he, he oversimplified this, put our best players on your worst players, find mismatches, do things like that, and and this very meat and potatoes 
mentality from Dan Campbell has been evidence from day one. Now we'll find out in game when it comes to two minute drill, timeout usage challenges, if they're in any close fourth quarters, how they handle those. Uh, those will be the ways I think you judge Dan Campbell, the CEO, but he did surround himself with some quality coaches, former players in the league, a former head coach and Anthony Lynn on the offensive staff and Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, who I think will be a head coach in this league one day. He turned down a chance to run the defense in Jacksonville and Chicago to take this defense. And he has a lot of experience working in uh, defensive back fields and secondary work. I mean, that's the position he played in the NFL. So trying to really staff this group in a way to, to round it out, because I do think Dan Campbell is more self-aware than Matt Patricia in the sense that he knows what he doesn't know. Whereas Patricia was a rocket scientist guru who was going to come in and really scheme him up and, and anything but took place the last three seasons. So Dan Campbell has never been a, a coordinator in the league. Mm-hmm. And, and so there, there's always sort of this question, right? When teams hire new head coaches and especially if they're not coordinators, because sometimes they're, they, they are just CEOs to the type of delegating scheme to the right coordinators and they put together really good staff and that stuff doesn't matter. But in Campbell's case, given that he doesn't have um, any coordinator experience, he's hired Anthony Lynn, a former head coach, to be his offensive coordinator. He was most recently the head coach with the Chargers. I'm wondering what you think about um, just the coordinator situation and what the lines are going to look like schematically, maybe how good they can be schematically or bad, um, depending on how much you trust Dan Campbell, I guess, to, to put that together. But, I mean, it's a guy who doesn't have who doesn't have coordinator experience. So where do you think they stack up schematically and, and how that lines up with their offensive and defensive coordinators? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's start defensively. Cause I actually think that's going to be a little easier to snuff out defensively. They're going to be, uh, they were a three, four team in, in some senses, still a three, four team, but instead of being um, a team that's going to two gap, they're going to be much more aggressive in the front. It's going to be a lot more of the one gap pressure downhill, uh, approach where you try to get some more pressure. The word aggressive has been used several times. The Lions did not blitz a lot under Matt Patricia. Expect some more pressure. Don Capers is one of the defensive uh, assistants on this team. And of course, they like to bring a lot of pressure. They've moved Trey Flowers to more of that stand-up outside linebacker with Romeo Okwara, who's a double-digit sack guy. The thought there is let's get these guys in space. Let's get them going downhill. Let's not have them worrying about mush rush and gap responsibility. Let's try to get in the backfield and put some pressure on opposing quarterbacks because it felt like a lot of the time during Matt Patricia's scheme, the quarterback would have a lot of time to throw and they would face primarily man coverage, one high safety, where I think you're going to see more combo coverage in the back end, try to confuse quarterbacks while rushing quarterbacks and hurrying their timing. I think that's going to be more of what they want to do defensively. Now, will they be able to? Again, I think that's the challenge for Lions fans watching their football team this year is if the talent isn't great, you know, how much of this are you going to be able to hold against them if, if ultimately they can't achieve the goal of the first year of this scheme. So defensively, look for more of a pressuring 3-4 look with those hang linebackers. And then offensively, I, I think personnel is is really the, the challenge here. The wide receiver room, brace yourself. <laughs> Tyrell Williams is mm. going to be the leading receiver. And uh, well, there's legend. Raiders legend. Uh, Khalif Raymond is in the number two spot. They're going to have a fourth round rookie, Amon Ross St. Brown, who they're calling the sun God. He's going to play some out of the slot. Quintez Cephas was a fifth round pick out of Wisconsin, and he was not big. He was not a speed guy. He's more that compact 
so sort of like Amon Ross St. Brown, they carry seven receivers, uh, Trinity Benson being one they traded for, and he wasn't even someone on the GM's radar until a week before the trade. It's it's a seven receiver, but none of them are really special kind of room where I don't know that you're going to be able to scheme things up around a number one receiver chess piece, which I think is going to make life more difficult for everybody offensively, because if you're an offensive line that's dealing with more eight-man boxes or safeties that creep up, I do think the philosophy is they've got an offensive line with three first-round picks on it. They want to feed DeAndre Swift, who has shown an ability to make guys miss in the backfield. They added Jamal Williams to be more of a battering ram type. I think they do want to be a run-first team, and Anthony Lynn had some success doing that in his previous stop with the Buffalo Bills. So I do think run first is the philosophy. I just worry about if you don't have anybody on the outside, are teams just going to stack the box and really challenge you? And are you going to see the philosophy of run first, have a ton of success? So you mentioned uh, you made up that last receiver name. Trinity Benson's not a real person. I, I probably could have made up a receiver and I don't know that anybody would notice, but no, that is a I real person. Uh, <laughs> well, wait, so, I tell you about Malcolm Douglas. Uh, no, he won't be playing. He's not on the team. <laughs> so, so real quick, um, I've, I've two, two questions here. The first one is you mentioned all those receivers. Is this something where this year for Jared Goff, it's going to be, uh, I don't want to call it like a mulligan year, but a year where you can't really judge anything because of the receiving core, or are they expecting him to be a player that can kind of elevate uh, Tyrell Williams and, and Khalif Raymond and Amon Ross St. Brown into, into something below the bottom tier of the league. It really depends who you talk to because they're very bullish on golf. They think that, they're putting their best foot forward publicly. They haven't you know, thrown this offense under the bus, even though you and I and everyone else can look at this receiver room and go, is he really set up for success? You know, they aren't building in excuses for him. Now, I say it depends who you ask. I think there's this philosophy that Jared Goff is a winner, and I, I kind of loathe the narrative when it becomes all about whether the QB wins or loses because so much is supporting cast. Uh, but the thought is, well, he took the Rams to a Super Bowl and he's won playoff games and he's mm. going to come in here and have that great elixir, convert the third downs, move the sticks. And and, and he's just the difference maker. And I, I'm of the belief that this current Lions roster and really the Lions for a long time have not been the place you go for a career renaissance. So um, <laughs> I, 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 I would tell you this. He they restructured his deal. He's financially committed to guaranteed the next two seasons, which offers them some flexibility. Uh, if he underwhelms, they can run it back with him next year. They could draft a quarterback and, and still ease that QB in. They've given themselves a ton of flexibility. That was one of the things I liked about acquiring Jared Goff is you didn't have to take a QB in that first draft. If you didn't want to, you don't necessarily have to take a QB. If there's not one you love in that second draft, he is the ideal placeholder quarterback where he can come in and, and do the job. But I, I think he is getting labeled as a bridge guy by a majority of the fan base. So is there, we talked about it being so early in the, uh, in the process is, is there a reason for optimism this season or at least on Sunday? Because look, 
like Kyle and I talk about a team that when Chip Kelly took over in 20 or when Jim Tom Sula took over, replaced Jim Harbaugh in 2015 and then Chip Kelly the next year that those Niners teams looked awesome in week one and beat the, the Rams and Vikings. And then they ended up being terrible teams. Like, is there any possibility of that happening for the Lions week one, regardless of how the, the season plays out? I mean, I think the thought here is guys are going to run through a wall for Dan Campbell. And there's a lot of guys who are happy to not have Matt Patricia as their coach, but also excited legitimately that Dan Campbell is the coach of this football team and excited that they want to be more physically imposing on offense, have that identity, and then defensively get after it a little bit. And I'm certainly not predicting a Lions win in week one, um, but if you're asking, could there be some energy playing at home in the opener of the season with a new coach. Yeah, I suppose there's there's a potential for some of that. I think the bigger question, though, is going to be it's a four-quarter game, and as that game goes on, uh, you guys are well aware San Francisco's got some advantages that I think are going to make it pretty tough on the Lions. What is your prediction? So I think they're going to lose. The Lions are going to lose. Uh, and uh, if we want to look at the spread, I like the Niners to win by probably 10 or more. Uh, I think mm. one of the big challenges – uh, we found out late Thursday, uh, Taylor Decker not looking good in terms of his probability to play. That's the Lions left tackle, which throws the supposed strength of this team up in the air. And that left tackle spot is against Bosa. And that's the spot that could blow up a lot of what the Lions want to do, especially if they get down. I think that's that's the challenge is if the Lions get down to San Francisco, who does such a nice job running the football playing with a lead, unleashing a defensive line that is now healthy. I, I do think there's some potential for this game to spiral out of control. Are they I still like the Lions to cover? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it could be, it, it's just one of those situations, right? Where like the better team doesn't always win and it might just be like a crazy, I mean, I have to think the atmosphere, at least early on in the game, is going to be wild because you remember when the Lions had a little bit of buzz in like 2011 when the 49ers were there, like that atmosphere. Was, was that crazy. the handshake game? Yeah, that was a handshake game. Like, I remember we Kyle and I did a podcast rewatching that game and the atmosphere was crazy. So I would have to think like with a new coach week one, at minimum, it's just going to be a wild scene in there. And I do wonder if that's going to impact things beyond, you know, what we see on paper when we look at these two teams. Lions fans are I, I Lions fans will get up I imagine for this game uh, because well it's it's the first time they've really packed this stadium he didn't have football in person last year and I think that'll play into some of it Dan Campbell to his credit he was speaking to some of the Lions fans at an event at Ford Field uh, maybe a month or two ago and he goes on this big rant about how you know that going to a game at Ford Field it's like uh, you're playing in your backyard and you know we'll bring the firewood and and uh, and we'll light the fuse but you fans you're gonna pour the gasoline when you want this thing to really get like he's cutting the WWE promo and that's the kind <laughs> of energy um, that I think he wants to get out of these fans and, and he said in that opening press conference in addition to the kneecap comment. You guys have been through this. You're, you're tired of of these empty promises. He has tried to connect more with this fan base, and I think game one is a chance for the fans to to give him kind of the benefit of the doubt and, and see if he can get off on the right foot. All right, last question. Which Detroit team is in the best spot over the next, like, three years? 
because well, we I feel like they're all kind of like in the early stages of a of a rebuild. Yeah, so <laughs> it's brutal when all four of your teams are rebuilding at the same time. I want to take the um, Red Wings off the table because you talking about the Red Wings, you might as well talk in German to me. So well, and, and I don't want to turn everybody away from this because I mean, how many of your listeners can name a Red Wing, let alone like two or three? Probably I'm gonna like leave 13. off the list. <laughs> but what I'm gonna say is, uh, Steve Eiserman is running that team. And uh, he built the Tampa Bay Lightning. So there's a lot of excitement about where the Red Wings are going. That wouldn't be how I would answer the question. I actually think it comes down to either the Tigers or the Pistons. And with the Detroit Tigers, they're, they, can, they can win this argument if they spend money in this offseason. They have the 23rd highest payroll in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, and for the last four to five years, they've been in a rebuild stockpiling young players, some of which are already here and some of which will be their next season. If you spend commiserate with a contending baseball team, they could make the playoffs next season. Uh, they have a winning record since early May with this current <laughs> roster. AJ Hinch is a world series caliber manager. If you give him a world series caliber payroll with the young players coming up, I think they can make the playoffs next year. The only reason I throw the Pistons in there is I don't know if the Tigers are going to spend commiserate with a contender. And I know the Pistons just landed the number one overall pick. And we know how important one player can be in basketball as opposed to any of the other sports. Fair. I like it. Sadiq Bay and Cade Cunningham. Watch out. Motorcade. <laughs> hey, Jim, this is great stuff. Um, we really appreciate the insight on the Lions. That was um, awesome. And we really look forward to Sunday, man. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, guys. 49ers football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. You know why? Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what TickPick did is they got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. That's why I don't go to those sites anymore because those fees are ridiculous. It allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. You don't believe me? You can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site. If you can do that, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The 49ers open with two games on the road, but they are back at Levi Stadium September 26th. It's a Sunday night football game at home against the Packers. My mom, my mom has already gotten her ticket. She goes with her friends. I don't have a ticket yet. I'm going to go to TickPick.com and get my tickets there because I'm not going to be charged service fees. I'm going to get the best possible price. And that's what your boy is looking for. I'm going to go enjoy the atmosphere. It's going to be electric. I can't wait to be there. And you should be there too. So visit tickpick.com slash candlestick today and use the promo code candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. Do that right now. And we will see you at Levi stadium on September 26th. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, Joe Fan is in the building, friend of the pod. I believe it's your at least your second time on the pod, Joe. Maybe third? Confirm I think, second, possibly. I think I've been on it enough to be considered a friend of the show. If yeah. that's, I think, you know what I mean? Like, I think I want that kind of like moniker when I, when I come on now, I think, I, you know, we're, we're all homies enough and I've been on enough to where I think that's like kind of level. We don't even count anymore. Like how many times it's just like, just friend of the show, just big, long time listener, big fan, passionate guest. Yeah. This all is, those things. This is the first time you've been on since you're, since you've become a single digit handicap though. Yeah, that is true. Great point. Although, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just no way that, that lasts, but it, it's it's fun to see for like a, a moment, you know? So, yeah, I'll I don't even keep forever. my, uh, I'll start keeping my handicap when I start breaking 80 regularly, but that's not happening yet. Logic I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got to be a scratch golfer before I keep a handicap. Yeah. That's a, that's a jabroni. That's a jabroni take right there. I don't like that. <laughs> All right, Joe fan, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. I'm not I'm not gonna start <laughs> golfing until I'm that's a beta move. Typical Norman. Yeah. Whatever that whoever that guy was on Twitter, he was right. Just <laughs> need, we need some alpha energy in here from you, Peterman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. This is great. You should probably read that tweet if you haven't talked about that tweet on the air. You should probably at least read it so there's some context. Well, so, yeah, it's a review from iTunes. Let me pull it up. Um, we yeah, say we say subscribe, rate, review. And to be fair, this gentleman at least did two of the three. Yeah. By the way, Joe Fan, bet to win podcast. That's W-Y-N-N. Uh, cute play on words. Bet to win podcast. Brand ambassador for win bet. Uh, you can hear him right here on the Blue Wire podcast network. Um, Chris, do you have, I, I have the, the, review. the review and, and it yes. starts, it, I love the way it starts <laughs> out. It says, I wanted to like this pod, but <laughs> quickly realized it's some boring normies with nothing to add. You can tell they're barrier guys just by the condescending arrogance needs more energy, more opinions, more insights and an alpha. So <laughs> here I am, Biederman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why we, we need an alpha. Let's get fat in here. <laughs> the timing is no accident so if you left that review give it another chance at least for this one episode you know what sucks is like i wish i could be condescending and arrogant but i can't like i'm yeah not, like i'm just i'm not i just there's a lot of words to describe you guys i don't think arrogant would ever come to mind but you know classic bay area guys yeah. <laughs> boring normies now i'm a now, big boring normie it's also it's kind of funny to be like 
beta and arrogant like an arrogant beta like that's that's a tough that's a little bit of a contradiction Just aggr- you know? I, we aggressively take a backseat yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, we, like, we get into the car and we're like i got the middle seat i'm in the middle all right screw you guys what do you guys want to do today yeah i hella yeah. want to do what you guys want to do i hella want to do what you guys want to do yeah that's good this is a great start oh it's a good start well so yeah. joe is this what you- your podcast is like is it, yeah, kind of. I think it's like a lot. Of, it's like instead of just me making fun of you guys, it's me making fun of myself. Um, especially like now I'm in a place where like there's gonna be receipts for like all my picks and stuff, and so it's gonna be like, oh, I lost another one. Like hopefully you didn't tell me, or it just turns into like you know, just the strategy is like whatever Joe says, do the opposite. And I'm cool with that too, you know. So, fade uh, fan, yeah, fade fan. The the first year with your first year covering the Seahawks was 2019, right? Yes. Yep. So I remember talking to you at in Miami uh, when we were there for the Super Bowl that season. And you told yep. me before the season that you picked the Niners to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I was really impressed. So I'm wondering where you're at now uh, on this year, this year's version of the of the 49ers and, and how you're viewing them going into this season. I'm really high on the Niners. I mean, I, I will always be high on the Niners. Just I'm a huge Kyle Shanahan believer. And uh, I think that the defense is loaded. And I think there's so many skilled players in that roster that, you know, even if the quarterback's a bit of a question mark, I've never been like a big, like two quarterback system guy. I don't like when colleges do it. I don't know if it's ever really worked well. I guess you could say the saints had, you know, marginal success with Taysom Hill and Drew Brees. But I think that was just also so much due to Drew Brees' limitations. Um, but I'm, I'm really high on the Niners. The reason why I'm not picking them to win the Super Bowl is, and I'm not picking any NFC team to win the Super Bowl is because there's just so much parity in the NFC. I can make a really strong case for a number of teams. And, and you could tell me that any of those teams, I am planting my flag on this hill. And I'd say that's okay. I, I don't have any – I can't like definitively tell you you're wrong or passionately tell you you're wrong because I just think that's where the NFC is, especially in the NFC West. Um, this is the toughest division in football. And I think it's going to beat up on itself so much that it's going to be really hard for any of these teams um, to get the one seed. We know how crucial it is to have home field advantage throughout the postseason and make it a Super Bowl. Um, so I, I went with the Bills and Browns. Those are the tickets I have, um, the futures I, I put some money on. I think both of those are some good values. If, if it's not the Chiefs, it's going to be one of those two. I don't believe in the Ravens, especially now when you continue to have all these injuries. Um, the NFC, the Niners are great. You know, I, obviously health is their big thing, but you look at their offense. I mean, it's loaded Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon, um, at receiver, you have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, a super dynamic and versatile pairing at receiver. Um, and then obviously George Kittle is George Kittle. So, um, there's no reason why they, they shouldn't be one of the favorites in the NFC to, to make it to the NFC championship game and, and through to the Super Bowl, But, um, it's just much harder to predict in the NFC because I just think there's so many good teams that, that you can make a case for. Uh, do you like the over 10 and a half number for them on wins? I do. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I'd play it just because so much could go wrong in 10 and a half sure. is a big number, even though you do get that 17th game. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if these teams go, you know, three and three across the board in the division. Um, but yeah, I would, you know, if, if you say I had to take a side on, I'd take the over. Absolutely. I mean, this is a really good team. It's a well-coached team. Um, and I, you know, just offensively, defensively, they don't really have, at least by my estimation, I, I don't, I'm not as intimately aware of what's going on on the roster as I used to be, of course, but it doesn't really feel like they have any 
mega weaknesses that you would look to and say that this could be their, their downfall. To me, it just comes down to staying healthy. You know, if, if, if D Ford and Nick Bosa are healthy all year long, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to come up with a better pass rush duo, maybe Miles Garrett, Davian Clowney, but um, yeah, this Niners team is, is loaded. And I think, uh, sorry, it's a really long winded answer, but there's a lot of talk. Uh, I've seen a lot of conversation between Niners Twitter and Seahawks Twitter that Kyle Shanahan, some Seahawks uh, fan put out that Kyle Shanahan's overrated. And obviously Niners fans came to the defense of Kyle Shanahan. I am very much a Kyle Shanahan believer um, and an apologist even, you know, but he's got huge and invalid excuses for every bad season he's had. His biggest indictment is, is missing out on the entire uh, QB draft class because he had his Kirk Cousins goggles on and missed out Deshaun Watson and um, and Patrick Mahomes. But like, this is the year for him. Like th- th- this is a if they are underwhelming this year, I think it, it'll be the first time where you can say with certainty, like he didn't get the job done. He underperformed. This team underperformed to this point. That hasn't happened yet. So I'm very curious to see how this season goes for them. How are how do you think Vegas is approaching the 49ers quarterback situation in terms of sort of the uncertain wild card of Trey Lance and how that might impact their win total as, as the season goes? I don't think a whole lot. I mean, like how, what would it be if it's, you know, you knew Trey Lance wasn't involved or if you knew Trey Lance was the starter, I don't think it would move off that 10 and a half spot. I think it, it just, to me, that number is a respect for Kyle Shanahan. And it's a respect for the entire offense. Um, I think it's if, if there's anyone that can kind of pull the strings to a, a two quarterback offense successfully, it would be you know Sean Payton in New Orleans and, and Kyle Shanahan in, in San Francisco. So um, I I don't know if that kind of ambig- ambiguity has any sort of impact on what Vegas is anticipating for the Niners this year. Nor is it really mine. Uh, I don't think, you know, I think Trey Lance should just be the starter and just be done with it. But um, regardless, I, I think the Niners, regardless, I think the Niners are, are, you know, could, you could argue our favorite to win the NFC West. Typical beta opinion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't say I wasn't a beta. I didn't say I wasn't a beta. I just said Biederman was a classic beta, you know, but it takes a beta, beta to know a beta, right? Yeah, yeah. sure. So, <laughs> uh, do you, do you like, uh, in that in that same vein, uh, I sprinkled a little bit on. I uh, got a little taste of uh, Trey Lance Rookie of the Year at like plus six hundred. How many games does he need to start to make that a reality? I just don't think there's any value there. I mean, he'd have to be a starter in September at some point. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I'm such a believer in Trevor Lawrence, and I really am a huge Robert Sala believer, and then in turn, a, you know, a, a, a Mike Lafleur and uh, Zach Wilson believer. Like to me, you have, it's a three man race. It's Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, or Trevor Lawrence. And I just don't see how you could put money confidently on Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Not that they're not going to eventually have the better career, but like if they're missing a month of numbers from what the, you know, unless the other three are just horrific and don't separate themselves at all. I just don't know how, you know, the Niners are going to be, they're not going to be losing games, you know? So like, what's it going to take, you know, is it going to be like a Miami Dolphins esque Ryan Flores pulls the plug on Ryan Fitzpatrick, even though they're winning games in, in favor of Tua kind of without warning. I think that's what it's going to take. And it would have to happen really soon 
um, in order for him to really have a legitimate chance. Or he just I mean, he comes in and he's God's gift to the quarterback position and has a, an unbelievable run as a rookie, you know, sort of, uh, you know, Trevor, not Trevor Lawrence, um, Justin Herbert-esque. But I just don't foresee it. Even though I, mean, I love the guy, I love, I just, I wouldn't bet it just because there's three solid options that will be starting for 17 games in all likelihood. So another team you're super familiar with is the Seattle Seahawks. Um, are you, are you buying or selling the Seahawks this year as contenders, as a team that's going to get better um, after the last few seasons, or do you view any of like, is, is anything that's going on in Seattle combustible in terms of potentially Russell Wilson and the organization or, um, you know, Pete Carroll's handle on things like, where are you at with them going into the season? Oh, I think it's combustible. Certainly. But I like, so this, this, this is a huge year where I talk about like, this is a big year for Kyle Shanahan in terms of like, if he had a performance, like there's going to be some deserved heat uh, on his seat. Um, that's exponential in Seattle. I mean, I, I have said numerous times on the radio written, written form on podcasts. If, if this it doesn't end up being the year, like that they go back to the NFC championship game for the first time since 2014, I think Russell Wilson is gone. I mean, it is very potentially combustible, but you know, I, I, I keep making the comparison. Like there are a couple that went to couples therapy and said, we're going to give this one last go and they're going to be all in. I believe Russell Wilson's all in. I believe he wants to spend his entire career with the Seattle Seahawks. So like there, it can go both ways. I do think it's possible for them to be a contender. I mean, Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in football. Their offense is loaded. You talked about the Niners set of skill players. You could argue Seattle has a better arsenal with Chris Carson, uh, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Gerald Everett, Will Disley, um, and, uh, and second round pick D Eskridge, if he's able to stay healthy and stay on the field. Um, you know, and I think a defense that can be good, not great. That needs to be their ceiling. If they can, if they can sneak into like the top 16 defensively, they don't have to be, you know, the reason why they're winning games. They just can't be a liability. Um, and I think they have enough talent there. There's enough upside there with some of the young guys in order for that to happen. Um, you know, so yes, I do. That's a, again, a long way away of saying, I do think the Seahawks can be contenders. Are they the best bet value wise in the NFC West? I think it's all, they're all in the same ballpark. I mean, I, whether the Rams are like the favorite, I don't have the lines in front of me, but I think they're all bunched together. To me, the best value is, you know, throw a little bit of a lottery ticket on the Cardinals who I think, again, you want to look at the roster. I mean, they are loaded. So, um, you know, I, I don't think you can go wrong with betting on any of the four teams. If your gut tells you that this is where it's going to go. Where are you at on Arizona? I can't figure is, that team out. And I'm, I can't I'm not either. optimistic. I, again, I, we can, I continue to kind of say this thread of like this, this theme of, this is a big prove it year for X, Y, and Z. I mean, certainly it's that for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Um, you know, Cliff Kingsbury he has had moments of where everything looks tremendous and, you know, they got off to a nice start, but they've lost, they, you know, they lost games last year. They shouldn't have lost. Um, I don't know. They're damn good. I mean, I know games aren't one on paper and they lot, you know, their, their corners aren't, aren't anything special. Um, but, you know, you look at Isaiah Simmons having a, you know, after what was really a poor, rookie season, having a, you know, a, a bounce back sophomore year. I think on paper, they stack up with, with every team in the division and they give every team in the division fits. I mean, 
They almost beat the Niners twice last year. They did beat the Seahawks once. They seem to split with the Seahawks each and every year. So um, I'm more of a, of a buyer than a seller in the Cardinals. And, you know, again, which is why I have such a hard time picking any one of those four teams to, to be, this is going to be the NFC's representative in the Super Bowl, which is why when I made that Super Bowl pick, I was like, it's got to be in the AFC because I just can't, I can't commit to one NFC team enough because there is so much parity and I could sell myself on so many different options. So I understand you being a seller on them and then just haven't seen enough to, to buy in. I would probably go the other way and say um, that I think they are capable of surprising people. Is there a, for lack of a better term, like sleeper NFC team that isn't getting talked about enough? Would the Saints with Jameis Winston qualify as a sleeper? Yeah, definitely. The Saints, the Saints went 12 and four last year with a quarterback that couldn't throw it more than 15 yards. I mean, that's an insane handicap that you're dealing with. And, and now those, those handcuffs are taken off and, and Jameis is one of the best arms in football. You just have to, you've just got to avoid the, like the, the, what uh, I can't say the, 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 what the heck plays, you know, like the, like, how is that a thing? You're a veteran quarterback. Now we, we, we gotta be past the days of past the days of, you know, those boneheaded turnovers, you know, when you're a gunslinger, like he is, you're, you're going to have turnovers. It's going to, it's part of it. Um, but you have to start to get more of the carrot than the stick. Um, you know, that's what one of the biggest, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's biggest, um, you know, issues is like, you don't get, there's not enough carrot there. And he makes those, those boneheaded turnovers where you're like, well, what's the, what's the upside with James, the upside, the upside's obvious. He's the number one overall pick for a reason. He's an absolute stud. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I would, I would pick the saints if, if that qualifies as a surprise. Is there any, uh, like 49er prop bet that you really like, like, so some long odds thing, like Trey Sermon offensive rookie of the year or something like that. No, I haven't, I haven't dove into the props enough with that roster typically. Um, you know, I think if Niners fans out there, they can buy Super Bowl tickets confidently thinking their team has a chance, but I haven't gotten into the weeds of, of a prop. I mean, Trey Sermon, I would just never put a money on a running back when there's three quarterbacks starting week one. Um, you know, so, you know, I think potentially if, you know, George Kittle offensive player of the year would maybe be like a one. And I'm sure you're getting great, great odds on that. Um, you know, I think to me, he's a one a to Travis Kelsey in terms of the best tight end in football. And, um, you know, you could argue he's the most complete, but in terms of production, I think he's capable of putting up numbers as good as anybody so um you know i think that, that that'll be my i have no idea i'll be actually curious to look up what those odds are but i'm sure they're immense so maybe a flyer on that i like it all right i think i think that's George Kittle, you, offensive player of the year you heard it here first yep <laughs> bang oh wow I'm a beta named joe fan <laughs> sorry i just saw antonio brown score a long touchdown from uh from tom brady I was going to say, it's crazy. He's got like, he's got, I think he's got a hundred yards in the first half in a touchdown. Yeah. I bought a lot of stock. In Pays to be in fantasy this year. Wow. Well, good on you. You're already reaping the rewards. Yeah. Well thanks. Typical alpha move. Well by done. Me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Joe, plug your podcast again. What's it called? The, uh, the beta win podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the beta win podcast. That's good. I love that. Uh, the bets to win podcast, find it, you know, you listen to candlestick chronicles, open up a, a candlestick chronicles, uh, hazy IPA, which I am just dying to try. Uh, and then, and then check out the 
to win. And listen to what I say. Do the opposite and win yourself a whole bunch of money this season. All right, great, man. Well, uh, they're they're making another batch of the of the IPA, so we'll work on yes. that. We'll work on getting you some. I Make a last it. minute stuff, trip to the fellas. bay, and we'll hook you up. Yeah. All right. I love it. Congrats on that, fellas. Uh, Thanks, man. That's really cool. It's a, I was sad I couldn't be at the event with everybody hanging out. I had some serious FOMO, but uh, good on you guys. You guys do an awesome job with this. It's an honor to be a friend of the show, even if I even if I dubbed myself a friend of the show and wasn't um, offered that moniker by you guys, I'll take it. Um, and it's always good chatting ball and good talking ball with you guys. Yeah, you're a friend sure, of the show man. for sure, and we'll uh, we'll tee it up sometime and play, uh, play, play a little bit of golf. Yeah, yeah, welcome to the Blue Wire fam. We'll talk. Hey, I appreciate that. I Absolutely. appreciate that. It's good to be here. I'm excited. Thanks, fellas. All right. Thanks, see you later, sure. man. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.